Hey everybody, welcome to the New Market Alliance Church podcast, where you're invited to not just attend church or watch church, or in this case, listen to church, but actually go and be the church. For everything you need to know about our community, be sure to go to newmarketalliance.ca and maybe even drop us a line to let us know you're listening. We read everything you send and we'll be sure to get back to you. Our worship service happens every Sunday at 10 a.m. in person or streaming online. We want you to know you absolutely matter to God and you absolutely matter to us. Everyone is welcome and wanted. Now, let's join today's teaching. Good morning. I want to do a couple of things with you this morning. I don't uh, get a chance to come up here very often, and that's actually fine with me. But uh, Pastor Jonathan is very encouraging and also wants uh, me to share with you um, some things from my heart once in a while, but also what the kids have been up to upstairs. So I want to talk a little bit about what we've been learning this summer upstairs. I want to talk a little bit about kids camp and the theme at kids camp and why it was so personally significant for me. And then weave a little bit of my own story into that and let you get to know me a little bit better and how I got to be one of the pastors here at New Market Alliance Church. So let's start with the summer series. So we've been talking about optical illusions and what do optical illusions have to do with the Bible? Well, Really good question. Um, You saw the video and you can see how things are not always as they appear. And when I saw that curriculum, I just thought, wow, that's a gem. That is a really good concept for us to wrestle with. Things aren't always as they appear. And sometimes it's more believable to see it in a piece of art than it is to believe it in actual life circumstances. So we want to share God's truth with kids on Sunday mornings in all three programs in a way that's understandable and the way that they can appreciate. And I want you to know that we take some time to figure out what curriculum works. I don't always know how it will resonate with the kids or how the adults teaching it will feel, but we really do try to get things that will be relevant to kids and that will spur kids on in their journey. And I want you to know that it really does matter. All the way from tiny treasures to forge and rock, it matters. And this morning, just to see Dallas in the back with with Dawn in the same row, the generations worshiping together with their hands up, it's a beautiful, beautiful picture. So the curriculum was using this idea of Optical illusions are not always what they seem. So in this next picture, you can see a duck or a rabbit. Well, does it matter if you see a duck or a rabbit? Which one is right? And for some things, we can get so caught up in trying to find out what's right, we forget that it can be both a duck and a rabbit. And some things are not that significant, and we waste a lot of time on it trying to make it a certain way. And then there are other things that really do matter if we um, aren't careful. So it may be something that looks attractive on one level, and then we find out it's very dangerous on another. Okay, kids, this one's for you. Blueberries. Who likes blueberries? I love blueberries. Okay, there are actually 13 berries that look like blueberries, and a few of them are toxic and can give you a really bad stomach ache. 
And if you approach a bush or a tree and you just go, hey, blueberries, should I just go ahead and help myself? No, no. A very common form of berries around here come on the Virginia creeper. And I don't know if you've ever walked the Nokia trail. Maybe as a family, you walk the trail. Well, that Virginia creeper is actually a very invasive vine, and it chokes out a lot of good plants. And those berries are toxic and can give you a really good stomachache. Now, one of those pictures is the choke cherry. That's the name of it. It doesn't actually mean you're going to choke when you eat it, but it is super, super sour. And so if somebody knows how to treat it, they make jam and they make syrup out of choke cherries. But if you just eat the berry off the plant, it is so bitter and sour, you are definitely going to pucker and some people actually throw up. So just a little... Example there. People tell us what they think is right all the time. And they can be very persuasive, convincing even. They have their arguments solid because they've practiced. And they also want to convince you of their opinion. But there are things that we want to teach our kids that when we look on the backdrop of the Bible and what God says, a perspective really does matter. So we looked at some misconceptions this summer that um, we wanted kids to think through. And one of them is that God must be punishing us when bad stuff happens. It's pretty easy to see how this can seem true. You can feel that it, it's true, but it's actually a false belief. In Forge, we had a great discussion about how bad stuff happens to everyone good or bad, and God's love is not conditional, and it doesn't withdraw from us when we make a mistake. He doesn't withdraw um, because we've let him down. So some bad stuff does happen because of choices we make, but some bad stuff happens of no fault of our own. And we had a great conversation. I enjoyed hearing all about the car accidents your families have been involved in, the personal injuries that have happened on the playground or using different sports equipment. And a lot of good talking came out of that. We looked at the false belief that stuff will make you happy. Well, again, more is better. The best toys win. The more stuff I have in my room or in the garage, yay, good for me. But God's truth says that his love and the love of others is really the only thing that really satisfies. And how about the belief that sin isn't really that bad? That was a good one. Many things in this life point to the fact that sin is not really that bad. People feel comfortable telling a little white lie or fudging the truth, or kids may just skip over an extra mark that they have on a test or an exam that the teacher missed or they find something and take it for themselves. Well, maybe not even looking to see if it belongs to someone else. You may find that you say something really sweet to someone's face, and then it's pretty easy when they're gone to trash talk about them in another circle. And it happens, it happens to all of us. And I really want kids to understand that their life matters and that their situations matter and that they're important to God and he wants to process the things in their life with them. So there are many ways that we can convince ourselves that a small misstep or a small, you know, something that might even lead to a bigger problem, really, why would God care about such a little thing? And then we looked at Noah and God's wrath 
he actually wiped out everyone who he found to be unrighteous, except Noah and his family. And God did promise that he wasn't going to do that again. But to reconcile us to himself, he had to give Jesus his only son. So a perfect God cannot commune with us in a situation of sin. And that, to me, is a pretty big deal. And so sometimes getting perspective is what will help us to understand God's truths. So the Bible doesn't always lay out a clear checklist of do's and don'ts. And mom and dads, this is a bit for you. People mostly create those checklists, and they hold others to them. They force their beliefs on others, and pretty much those checklists are man-made. Some of them are, we create for safety and for um, security for our kids, but some of them just create a false picture of how God loves us. So Kathleen's reading this book, and I love to talk about some of the things that she's going through and she's learning. And so she's reading this book from one of the Duggar sisters, Ginger Duggar. And you may remember 19 Kids and Counting. It was pretty popular there for a while. And the Duggars as a family have a very puritanical belief system based on the teachings of Bill Gothard. Again, let me emphasize a man's teaching. For example, they have to wear long skirts so that only their ankles are showing. That's, that's a rule. That's part of God's, God being pleased with them. And they can't question anything that their parents tell them. Now, before all you parents decide that's a really, really good idea, I want to say that's an extreme view. They can't contradict anything about health or marriage or even a personal well-being. So in her book, she talks about disassembling her faith and learning about what God is really trying to show her in a relationship with Jesus. She's not one in this deconstructing kind of bandwagon because she doesn't give up her faith and she doesn't also really um, slam her family, but she has found that through godly relationships and finding out more about Jesus in the Bible itself about God's grace and how that checklist is only something that she felt secure in, and as long as she stuck with her checklist, she was in God's will. But that gets really, really difficult when you make a mistake, because how do you get back into God's will, or how if something starts to change in you and you no longer feel close to God, what chance do you have of building that relationship back in? So, in training our kids, we have to train ourselves. We have to spend time with God, listen to his voice, read his word, and learn from people farther along in the journey. Listen and reflect. Parents, I want to encourage us all to be humble. I make mistakes all the time, and I feel, I try, that in humility sometimes when we apologize, we can gain a whole bunch of respect back no matter what it is that we've done. We want to teach our kids to do the same, to say their story and to be honest about their mistakes and to know that God's love will not run out for them. Throughout the series, we focused on the verse, and you will know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And how many things would we like to see our kids and grandkids set free from? So God has laws, he has precepts, guidelines, principles, even commandments, and he cares a lot about sin, it's true, but he deeply wants us to learn from our mistakes and not keep making the same ones over again, and he wants grace, grace, 
grace to be the thing that we learn the most about him. So I want to say that we're in this together. We want to be a children's ministry for kids that supports what you're teaching at home, but also that we can sort of spur them on to ask questions and to learn things. And then we want you to interact with us. We want you to tell your story and tell them about your faith and what you believe. And we want you to listen and hear what they believe and what people are telling them, what they're learning. So that brings me to kids camp. The second thing um, I want to share is twists and turns. And why was that so significant for me? I don't know if you noticed, but all the songs today were about highlands and lowlands. And sometimes like, I almost feel like those songs ministered to me enough that I'm hopefully, I'm hopefully supporting what's already been going on in your spirit through the music today. And so this curriculum used games. And games are a great way to teach Bible principles. I don't know if you've ever had the feeling, some of you guys can think about this, where you have been in a game and you really, really wanted to win. You just were like, I am going to win this. And you don't. Somebody else gets to do the victory dance. And how empty does that make you feel? And this whole idea of twists and turns is conditioning and helping us to learn that life is full of highs and lows. Sometimes you win, sometimes you don't. I'm still a believer that that's an important lesson. Um, Not everyone always gets a trophy. It's true. Um, And so the curriculum used games. It used um, uh, visuals. It used videos. It used Peter's life. And so we used Peter's life in the Gospels and um, one of Jesus' closest disciples to understand his transformation, his his passion, and the real way that he's portrayed in the Bible, his mistakes, his triumphs. The Bible lays out a very real person. He's very relatable. No matter what age you are or what stage of life, all of those lessons apply to kids and they apply to adults. It is timeless and ageless. That's the beauty of God's word. Again, if our kids learn that there are highs and lows as a part of life, but God is constant, I feel that they can weather those things that are going to be thrown at them. And this is not new or unique. Kids have been going to camps for years and years and years. VBS has been a tool that churches have used for generations. I am a kid, a product of going to summer camp and strengthening my faith. Um, Some of you have been to Miller Lake, and that was something very, very important to me growing up was that time at camp. I, I... It's new for us at NAC. We're only three years down the road of having summer camp. And I want to thank everyone that makes that possible. We have adults that took time off their vacation. They um, moved their work schedules around to make it work for us. They, They were part of the week. And I want the kids to see that the generations are working together to make camp work. Our teenagers were fantastic. They are just such a help, and the kids love them. It is just an amazing treat to work with them and to see them leading the kids. In one week together, we can gain more connection and pack a way greater punch than we could for Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. And so we had some grandparents that brought their kids grandkids to kids camp, even great grandkids in in Diane Moon's 
case. And I want to encourage you that I think that that time is planting seeds in their soul that will not stray for them. I believe that those nuggets will be there and that God is going to call on those and draw from them when the time is right. So I continue to encourage you to take those opportunities and make it possible. Maybe a great Christmas present might be a week at camp. I know it's a sacrifice because those things cost a lot of money. There are other camps that are way more established than ours. And those are investments that you can make in your kids and your grandkids. Okay. Um, that's also why I think the Rock Leadership Retreat is something that has been so special. In one week away, that team, as you can see from their testimonies, has gone so much deeper, has gotten so much stronger than Wednesday after Wednesday after Wednesday, even for months, it would not happen. And if you have Forge Youth and your family is, is part of our NAC family, I would love to see you already talking about that with with your kids. That rock leadership is something to aspire to. And we have fabulous adults that mentor them. We want kids to be able to influence their peers and not only just share their own faith, but be able to bring someone else along on the journey. And even if it's only one step ahead of someone else, we can all be disciplers of disciples. And so I challenge each of us to be in those relationships where we are discipling someone. I, I can see it even in Tiny Treasures. I can see it in King's Kids. My grade threes in King's Kids are stepping it up this year. They're going to be leaders in that program. And I want them to know that they can do that. And we want to empower them to do that. Um, Alan Markins, I don't know if you've heard of Awana. But Awana is a mid, most people know it as a midweek program. And you may be a product of Awana, you might have gone to Awana when you were a kid, but they actually do a lot more than just provide curriculum for a midweek program. They have become somewhat of a, a leader in research and giving churches materials to understand church culture and also the times we live in. And I like to read some of the things that they produce. And so one of the things that um, he was quoting from Barna was, a person's worldview is primarily shaped and is firmly in place by the time someone reaches the age of 13. So 13 is pretty young. And so then he goes on to say, the work your church does with children at ages such as five years old, eight years old, 11 years old, leading up to that critical age of 13, where worldview is firmly in place in most human beings, is the most strategic work of the local church. And so to give me a few minutes up here to just, I'm going to propaganda you and I don't even care. It is so important that we take this seriously and that we believe what we believe. And I'm thankful for the elders this summer that took um, the opportunity to support our kids' ministry. They put money that wasn't in the budget into summer students. We did not get our summer grant this year, and so that was very disappointing for me personally. I, I love the opportunity to work with those young people, but I also see how much their gifting brings to the programs and to the kids. The kids light up when they see them and they get a chance to interact with them. And so your giving also makes that possible because these things cost money. So how did I get here? I, I am very passionate about kids and youth, 
And um, I thought it just might be a little helpful if you're new to know that for me, this was not the path that I started on. I, through my whole life, wanted to be a teacher. I was focused. Teaching was the thing that I was going to do. And for me, teaching was that box of public school system, elementary grade, probably grade one or two, not kindergarten. It was too hard. That, that was what my paradigm was. And my sister and I used to play school even when we were little. I had the push pins on the bulletin board as my intercom, and we would play school all the time. So it's deeply enrooted. My dad's a teacher, my sister, my brother-in-law, Mike is a teacher. It, it's just something that I thought I would do. And God's ironies, sometimes when you look back on the things that he has brought you through, I just want to share, you, share with you a few of those. So when I was 15, I started, my first job was working for the city of Kitchener with summer camps. So um, I would lead summer camps in the summer, and I did that all through university, and um, even being home for university meant that I could work. I did Saturday morning preschool programs, and I did Wednesday youth drop-ins, okay? Um, I worked through the school year and did that. In my 20s, I was leading in the youth group, and I even worked with some of the junior high girls. I taught them as a Sunday school class. I would borrow one of the girls' family minivans, and I would take them and do outings with them, and we would, we would just go and do stuff together. Is anyone seeing a connection at all? Um, at the time, there would have been zero connection for me. I would have never thought that this would be a job that I would be doing. Sure, serving in church, I think that was very important on my list. But I think partly my mind was limited because of the church and the denomination that I grew up in. There would have been no opportunity for women in ministry at that time. You could play piano, you could sing on the stage, you couldn't be a choir, you couldn't lead the choir, but you could sing in the choir. Um, but that's just what I grew up with, and that was my paradigm. So I honestly didn't have my mind open to the fact that this could be not only a job, but could also be God's calling for me. What always sounded like God in my head was reasonable, practical, and logical. That was God speaking to me. It made sense. And if it made sense to me, it must have been God. So even when I didn't get into teacher's college, for me, it was understandable. Building character, right? God just has a little longer process in, in place for me. And so I had to find other ways to get to where I wanted to go. Well, a friend at that time challenged me that one of the things that I should maybe do while I'm working part-time trying to figure this out is go to Tyndale and do some Bible college courses. Well, that would be very practical. That would be a good thing to do. Okay, sure, I'll do that. So almost on a dare, I was like, yeah, okay, yeah, I could do that. So I did a couple courses, and um, again, ironically, I did children's ministry, youth ministry. I did some Old Testament, uh, some prophets. Um, I don't even remember it all because I was really just there putting in time. So I didn't even know how valuable that time was. And so I want to encourage you that sometimes God is putting things in your path that you can't even see while you're going through it, that he's preparing you for something that you can't even see yet. And so I don't want you to limit yourself. <coughs> excuse, excuse me, I'm getting a dry throat. 
because the opportunities that God has given me to be in this role has been incredible. And it's not something that I set out to do. And so I don't want you to feel like we have it all together or that this is like polished and poised. I'm not sure you ever get that impression because if you see behind the scenes, it's not like that. But it can appear like that. Not everything the way it appears is the way it is for real. Thank you so much. And so God led Mike and I to take a, to take a year off. Eight years after teaching, we took a year off and we were seeking God for direction. Something was stirring in us. We needed time to work soothe through some things as a couple, but God was also stirring things in me. Our pastor had asked us to volunteer. I volunteered for him. Even before that year was over, he asked me to volunteer for another year. And I wrestled. I wrestled with walking away from what I felt was my calling. And why couldn't I just keep my job and serve on the side? I was doing fine. I was doing lots of good stuff. But something in me was not ready to rest with that. God was doing a new thing, and he was calling us to do something different. So I, uh, I did, after a lot of wrestling, and kept asking God for a sign. Just show me. So then I would get scriptures. I would get people were encouraging me. This, again, I'm sorry if this is hard to believe, but I was part of a committee at the time that were looking to hire the youth pastor. So I was on, serving on that committee. We did interviews. We had three other candidates that we interviewed that were amazing, and they all declined for various reasons. And so at that point, I'm in the interview. I'm already actually doing the job, and it dawned on me, oh, maybe it should be my job. And the pastor had already been encouraging me to do that, but it didn't fit what I thought. I felt like I could do the work, but I didn't think I would be the leader. And so it's, it's a very humbling thing to realize that God has something for you that you might not have seen in yourself. And so parents, I want to encourage you that your kids are going to discover new avenues and things that you maybe can't even see for them yet. And I pray, I pray with you, we pray together for our kids that these things will be things that God will stir in their heart and that they will walk with Jesus all of their days and they will listen to him for their guidance and their direction. And there is no twist or turn that is too great for them to continue to find God's love and his peace in their lives. So we pray and we continue to hope and wait on God to bring all of our stories to the final place. And I'm not at the end of my story, I hope. And even as I look towards um, finding others, looking at you, to fill those places in children's ministry and youth ministry is so well cared for with our adult leaders. And it just, it, it warms my heart to know that those things that God stirred in me are continuing on in other people. And some of those other people might be you. And I want to encourage you to keep seeking God, asking him what is your place and your fit, not only here in the body of Christ at Newmarket Alliance Church, but for your life, with your kids, for your family, 
There are amazing stories of new ventures and people that are stepping out and moving into ministry. It's not about the money. I'm so sorry to tell you that. But it is about the experiences. And I know that I am a different person. I know that I have learned a lot more about leaning on God instead of just trusting my skills. I have learned more about drawing close to Him instead of understanding the path. And sometimes when you step off that path that you know, you know all about it. It's so laid out for you. And I can say everyone on our staff has not had that exactly predictable path in getting here. And so there may be a path for you that you haven't even thought of. 